Hello and welcome to the Talking Crit Podcast. I am Eric Tenkar. With me is Bad Mike Badalato. Hello, all. Uh, by the way, we were crossing our fingers because when I uh, opened up the website for Craig, the bot that we used to record, it basically told us that Craig's been having some major fucking issues. And I was mm. like, oh, God, let it not be. Mm. So, we, uh, I I personally apologize for our absence over the last month or so. I, I five, was, five weeks. Five yeah, weeks. Because I was hospitalized. He uh, just cannot get enough of that hospital food. He loves it so much. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I will say the hospital food at Forest Hills Hospital was, was actually not bad. However, the, there was no selection. Oh. And even when you selected, you didn't necessarily get what you selected. Mm. So, but the food itself was not bad. The day they gave me shrimp was the day Rachel came to visit me. So she got herself a, a nice little, you know, shrimp dinner and I had the sides. So that, How do you not like shrimp? That's the that's so I, weird. I, I just do not uh, like shrimp, dude. It, it, it's me and shrimp just don't get along. My my uh, mom's side of the family, all shrimpers, back like 100 years so I, I've been I've been eating shrimp since I was old enough to chew something. I, I I don't get it, man. I don't get it. But in any case, uh, knock on wood, uh, mm-hmm. hospitalization should be hopefully done for me. This one was actually one of those like not events that took five days because, uh, and I told them when I was hospitalized I was dehydrated, and that's why I had low blood pressure, and they insisted. It was my heart issues. And then they were like, uh, after a few days, like, oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, you know what? You were right. We were wrong. Your heart's <laughs> actually working fine. We didn't expect that. And, uh, yes, you were dehydrated. Oh, and by the way, you have a black carotid artery. Just so you know. So. And by uh, the way, here, here's here's the bill we're sending to your insurance company. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that too. I'm sure I met my wah, deductible wah. after my three trips to the oh, hospital gee. this year. Oh yeah, you're you're on you're probably on house money now at this point. Yeah, you know, I was just like, let's just keep it rolling for the food. But uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. Actually, the, the the last hospitalization worked out very well because I learned that my heart issues with the congestive heart failure was most likely my heart was damaged from chemo and radiation like 14 years ago when I had Hodgkin's. So I had these heart issues, and I just didn't even know it until I came down with pneumonia and sepsis. So it brought it to the forefront, and then I got the four dents, and then my heart came out of its state of shock and went, oh, look at that. We can actually go back to work now. So my my heart function is is healthy. And uh, finding out about the black carotid just means uh, one of two things. One, uh, my radiation uh, doc told me he's only he's read about the opposite carotid uh, fully compensating, but he's seen this happen numerous times because of uh, radiation treatment for people, and he's actually never met a patient whose companion carotid stepped up to the plate. So. Uh, I, I I now have the knowledge to make sure I eat a very low cholesterol diet because I, I I can't afford to uh, build up any traffic in any of my other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so you're it, you're, you're, you're working on the, you're working on the uh, the backup. It's like it's like yeah. your uh, your first baseman's out, so you got your backup first baseman in there. Right, right. I got my I got my utility infielder in. Yeah. 
And, you know, as as long as we don't put that utility infielder in a position where they have to do more than just step up, uh, as opposed to act, just do, just, just put the ball in play when you get it, when you get to bat, just, that's right. all we're asking. Let everybody else take care of it. You know, knock the ball down if it goes to you. Just don't let it get down to the outfield. You know, so that, that that's, that's how I'm looking at it, but knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so, but that's needless to say, I've had a shit ton of uh, tests and doctor appointments the last couple of weeks. Uh, that should be uh, dying down after next week, and then I'll, I'll I'll be a normal individual again. Where you go, oh shit, I gotta see a doctor again in six months. Oh, <laughs> so, but enough about me. Enough about the excuses why we've been missing. We've been missing a lot of stuff. By the way, Mike, we <sighs> we didn't even mention this before when we were doing our usual prep, but. Uh, we missed a D&D weekend last weekend. Mm-hmm. The Witches of the Coast oh, yeah, hosted a D&D weekend. And uh, apparently if you wanted to listen to the 11 and a half hours from Sunday, you could find out that they are teasing that there are three classic settings that are going to return to 5e, but they wouldn't tell you which ones they were. I heard that. That's pretty, it's pretty smart to... Um... Smart to basically tease something like that, don't you think? I mean, that's it could be, I guess. I mean, I I would have given at least one of those systems away. Come on, uh, we we, we know one has to be birthright, right? I mean, right? They're not gonna do birthright. Well, I mean, the one and see, we're gonna play their game. If we start talking about this, we're playing their game because their game is they want everybody with a podcast or talk show to talk about what setting is gonna come up. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to play their game, but I, I would say that one of the most popular settings that, that was never done for 3E was Planescape. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that they never had a Planescape follow-up, considering how what a popular setting it was, uh, that and Dark Sun. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Who knows? Like I said, that that's part of the game. That's, part, that's why they did this, because they want everybody to talk about it. And, and it was pretty smart to do that, to not tell, to not say anything. It was very smart to, to uh, just throw that out there and let the... Uh, let the D&D fans all fight over it for the next few months or however long it's going to take to release the info. Yeah, you know, if I was, like, doing this like a, like a football pool, I would have to say uh, Greyhawk, Planescape, and you know what? I, 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 I know where you're coming with Dark Sun, but didn't they do Dark Sun for 4E? Um, Maybe, but who knows? It was 4E, so I don't know. Yeah, true. But I, I, I'm I'm gonna take that weird pick, you know, the one that if you if you're right, you know, like you really do well on, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the sports betting. I'm gonna go yep. spelljammer. Um, that's weird. Uh, yes, the only issue with that is they they have a uh, basically Pathfinder came out with Starfinder, which was pretty much kind of like that, but not really. I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not I'm not playing their game. I'm not gonna play it, man. Gonna try to get me to talk about their product. I know, I know what they're doing. They want they want us to talk about it. I mean, it could be, it could be birthright. Birthright had so much release for it that was uh, basically useless. Birthright and, was a was an interesting city, but it was so und and ish. It was so it was yes. really interesting, but it was like nothing else. They really it's it's like it was a different company almost the way that because birthright was about it was a really interesting concept you had a uh, character who was going to become a king of a territory and they gave you all these different territories 
and they, and they would tell you who's in, who's in control of each of the territories, all the politics involved. And you were going to be you were going to lead a territory. All the other players in the campaign were your were your retainers. So one character, one player was you're you're going to be king someday, and the other four players you're you're the retainers. You're you're, right. you're helping this guy along. And then um, and then there was weird powers associated with what they call bloodlines. Um, they had this thing where there wasn't multiples of some monsters. There was only one. Like there was the Minotaur, or the you know the the werewolf or the whatever. And there would just be one. And but they were super powerful. But that's so I thought that was kind of interesting. That was kind of like, you'd have like these all these unique foes, and some of them were rulers of countries. You know that you'd have you know the basilisk, and that was the ruler of a country or something. So it was it was they had some really interesting things that made it unlike any other D world. But because of this, I don't think a lot of people played it because I don't think they just they they under, they grasped it. They grasped they the whole idea. They, the whole you, you really it was the one setting that you really needed a how to book. Mm-hmm. And in a way, with Dark Sun, you kind of got the how to run it because they they told you, you know, oh here's the new rule, here's how you you have a stable of characters, and your characters started third level. It was all these little built-in house rules. Yeah, that, you, that was the big thing. Characters are third level. How dare they? Oh I my know. God! Everybody got all bent out of shape about that. That there was characters. When you level one there. character, you level another character in your stable. Uh-huh. My stable. Holy shit. <laughs> Um, well, it's yeah. interesting to see what that. I, I'm, I guess, I'm sort of interested. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, Wizards of the Coast has kind of beat me up a little bit the past year or so. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I don't buy their stuff, but I, I, I think you know, it's kind of the Starbucks syndrome. I mean, whatever, whatever's good for for them is good for everybody. You know, so they 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 kind of keep the whole brand name flying. So as long as they do do well, I'm happy. But you know, I, I'm. There's not a lot of there's there's stuff that I look forward to. Just like, oh wow, I can't wait for it comes out because I don't play Five E, and I, I'm no. really at this point I'm not really borrowing from a lot of established settings unless they're OSR settings. I mean, if I'm going to borrow from a setting, it's going to be you know if I'm doing, uh, you know Greg's you know Barrel Maze or actually right now we're running a. a High fail. If I'm running high fail, I'm probably going to steal from some. Like the other day, I, I stole from Ruins of Myth Janor because I, we needed some. Uh, Tombs to loot for High Fail, and I didn't feel like making one up, so right. I just gra- I grabbed some tombs from Ruins of Mistranor, which came out like in '92 or something. So I, I'm not looking for anything 5e to to steal from at this point, you know. So so good for them. I hope they do well, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not using I'm not really using their stuff at this point. Now, the, you know, tight truth. The only one that I'd really be excited enough to to buy. And then see where they take it would be Greyhawk, but then again, I remember how From the Ashes happened, and maybe I don't want to see what they would do with Greyhawk. Maybe it's just better to. <laughs> I, I like From the Ashes a lot, but I, I like Carl Sargent's stuff quite. He, he was very dark. Yes. And for 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 because yes, and- he, he did he did Warhammer and his Warhammer stuff was dark, and I was real. They let him be pretty dark with with uh D and D, which D and D is not a dark. It's not dark. D and D. I mean, it's never been dark. Gray, even Greyhawk in its grimmest was never dark. So, I, I thought he he did a good job making it kind of dark. And he, you know, there was cert- the Circle Eight turned out like two of them were traitors and, and ended up you know trying to kill the rest of them. And and there was a you know, it was it was well, uh, I, I enjoyed out of the, out of the ordinary. They, they they killed it, and I'm not saying that they didn't kill it for a reason. They were running out of money, but they killed it, and they and then. They had to squash stuff up and release it in Dragon Magazine, uh-huh. and it just kind of, it kind of lost. I think it's like, well, I mean, if you look at the example of 
from the ashes. And if you look at the example now from uh, oh, I'm watching shit fall fall around. Yeah, they, uh, I know I got stuff falling. It's, it's crazy. I got crackers falling on my head here. Um, if you look at what they do though, uh, you, you kind of come to the conclusion over the past 30 years that people don't like change because they don't like it when you change something up. I mean, whether it's 5e, 4e, 3e, all the way back to 2e, they they like their their D and D just. You know, give me my D and D. Don't, don't, you know, weird it up too much. Don't make it lamentations. I just want my D and D here, which is it's just kind of. I mean, it's kind of kind of sad in a way, but in a way, it's kind of reassuring too. That know that these people just, you know, everybody just wants to play. They just want to play D and D. They don't really care how you um, how you mix it up and what kind of ingredients yeah. you throw in there. They they just they just want to play D and D. But I, I think they handled it better with Greyhawk than it did with the Forgotten Realms. Because with the Forgotten Realms, it was a time of troubles. We're changing from 1E to 2E, and now we have to change the whole the settings, default rules. It's like, oh, yeah, that, no was, more that was weird. All your assassins are dead. I thought, yeah, that 2E was kind of tough because 2E was a for a short period of time was a huge money maker until they went broke and they, did, they didn't go broke yep. because of 2e by the way that that wasn't why they became they went broke matter of yeah. fact if they if they just published 2e stuff they wouldn't have gone broke they went broke over spell cards and and, and you know oh, dice, spell and card and, dice and dragon dice dragon and, dice and and the fiction they they, yeah. they printed too many listen and, and that's something I, i'm gonna go into real quick right now just so the folks out there and Yes, there's an there's an affiliate link if you go to tankcardstavern.com. Humble Bundle put the Driss Du Erden series of I don't know how I, I I was I was amazed at how many books were released. And the the Cleric Quintet was five books, and apparently there's like over twenty more books written by R. A. Salvatore just about Drist. They're up in digital format on Humble Bundle for like fifteen dollars. I think you get uh, I'm, I'm gonna say. I don't know, thirty books or some shit like that. It's it, it's a scary number. I I loved the quintet when I was uh, I guess a teen, early twenties, and I really enjoyed the first couple of, of Driss books. But I guess after that point, it went went crazy. Well, well Driss. So they had the original trilogy, which so the original trilogy wasn't even supposed to be about Driss. It was about Wolfgar. He was going to be the main hero, but everybody loved the idea well, of the Drow Ranger. Yeah, so, that, was, that, so, was that, that was that series with the hot, with the halfling and and no, yeah, no, no, Wolf, Cleric, Wolf. no, Cleric Quintet was a totally different character. That that was five books. That was that was a that was something else. Yeah, I'm talking about well, the the uh, Wolfgar in that first, one. No, no, the first no? trilogy. No, the first trilogy oh, was the okay, um, damn Crimson Shard or whatever it's called. It was called anyway. The halfling was. Yeah, Wolfgar was the main character. Yep, you're right. And, and he had this kind of this sidekick, which is Dress Dwarden, who was the Drow Ranger. Well, everybody loved the Drow Ranger. They're like, yeah, Wolfgar's okay, but he's a barbarian. We've seen that before. And so everybody was really into that. So so from then on, the the books kind of really are Drist. And then they even had a trilogy went back in time, and, and it was a pre prequel and told about how he came to the surface. And that so everything written about him was a huge hit for a while. And then there was a more trilogies and they and he had a couple more sidekicks and then something i can't remember the exact circumstances but um ra uh went elsewhere and he was writing his own series writing uh, his own series and so then they commissioned someone else to write drist to 
And I don't know who blinked first, if it was RA, if it was first TSR. But after I think one book only, one book or two books, they brought um, RA back. And from then on, I think RA has been the only one to write Driss books. Um, and 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 written them he has, as you say. He's, oh my god! Yeah, there's there is a lot of them now. I, I I think I stopped reading them about nine in, maybe maybe the first nine or so I read. And and the thing about them is that they're they're just um, they're kind of like the McDonald's of fantasy fiction, right? I mean, you go in there, you get your burger, get your fries, get your drink. You're not going to be surprised. Uh, that's kind of the right. RA Driss series. It's something you know, they're 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 just um, drive-through fiction. Drive-through fantasy fiction. I mean, you're you're not getting anything too crazy. It's not going to be bad, but it's not going to be great either. Right. You're not going to see anything just amazing. You know, it's not like Joe Abercrombie or anything. It's just going to be, you know. So yeah, well, that, that, that's I, a good I, deal. I, if, you, if you can get fifteen of those yeah. for whatever, that's twenty, thirty. Well, it's more than that. I think I I <laughs> I think you get like uh, ten books for your first book, uh, another eleven books at eight dollars, and another thirteen books at fifteen. So. I can't even do the math on that, but it, well, you can't, it's you can't beat that. No, you can't beat that. Oh yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it right now. It's uh, uh oh, jeez. Yeah, he wrote a lot. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, oh Re my gosh, Re there's Re a lot Re of books here. Whoa! I told you. Uh, Requiem in the, in the chat is like he's just like turned he turned drift into like a a Stephen King series, you know, and in in a way, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's it, most of the Stephen King stuff that I've read. Which is, uh, admittedly, it's good, but sometimes you can see where it's going because you've read Stephen King enough that you know his tropes. It's uh, officially 30, 33 books. Oh, okay. The last book, The Legend of Driss, number 33. That is, so there officially is, this is turning, what was that book, The Destroyer series? It's turning The Destroyer, it's like 100 books in that series. This is becoming like The Destroyer, my goodness. Oh, wasn't the, oh. the Wheel of Time, the never-ending series? It was so long that the author died, and, you know. Yeah, yeah, but they actually finished it. I mean, it took them two books to finish it, but that actually got serious. I, I want to say that only went about fifteen books. I mean, that, that actually I, got finished. I though. tapped that around three or four because the books were huge too. It wasn't like they were like you know two hundred fifty, three hundred pages. These were like I don't know, like eight hundred pages a book, and I was, I was like, I'm done. I I I can't. This is I I got into that before my I knew. Before my pledge that I will no longer read series until they're finished, and that became that was because George R. R. Martin he he did that to me with um, Game of Thrones. So I read the first book, and this is back this is many years ago, and they hadn't finished it yet. And I decided, you know what, I'm gonna put I'm gonna save this because I don't know when this guy's gonna finish. It. And like you said, it took a long time. So maybe someday it's now that they're all there and done and finished, I'll. I'll read number book to one again and get back into that. But I, I am I have pledged off series with no ends at this point. Oh, or, or, that, or, or or that you know Game, Game of Thrones is the hilarious one because the, the the dude takes seven eight years between books. I mean it's crazy. And so yeah, I, I guess that's his plan to make you have to reread them all before you read the next one because you've forgotten everything uh, that's happened. Right? I, I watched the series. I I watched how they made yeah, it the yeah. ending. Uh, it wasn't the ending I would have chosen, but you know what? It, it's an ending. Uh, well, I mean, they did end it, and and I heard a lot of people didn't like it. But you know what? If George, and I heard George kind of gripe about it. You know what, George? Finish your damn books, and people won't be griping about the ending of the TV show, because they would have had yeah, an ending. You'd have, you would have written a book, and it would have been done. Which because not many people know that Game of Thrones started like '94. I mean, that thing's been just ridiculous how long he's been, you know, slopping through those things. So. 
But speak, speaking of endings I and I, beginnings. I think I own a Song of Fire RPG. That was like, I forget mm-hmm. who actually published it. That was from back. Well, back speaking in the day, of se- se- segueing to, I'm just going to segue because it's segue. Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight is I got a notice this week that the excellent uh, Total Con convention is um, already saying that they're not going to have a convention next year. Uh, they usually have Total Con in February. Uh, you went last year. Uh, Fro- Frog God's usually a very big presence. That uh, They love the convention. They love the people who run it, and they've been for the last two or three years. Um, so they called it for, uh, five months early and said, you know what? We're not going to wait to the last minute. Uh, Massachusetts is having a lot of problems with COVID right now. Um, and they also have some of the most stringent rules having to do with uh, gatherings and meetings. Uh, yep. I, th- I think that right now they're 100, they have to be 100 or less, or it may even be less than that. And they're not sure by next year if that will change or not. And um, they've called it. And so um, I, I was surprised they called it this early, but I understand the reasons, which were explained in the uh, email and the uh, post there. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, too early? Uh, not uh, about right? Or? No, well, I, actually, I I think it's a wise thing because even if suddenly Massachusetts opens up, and that would be awesome because um, it means that COVID's under control, you're still going to have people that are going to be very wary about going to conventions early on. And if uh-huh. you have a break-even number, which I'm sure they do, you crunch the numbers. If you're not going to hit that, even if you're open, uh, you're best to go virtual. So they're doing a virtual. I I love TotalCon. It's a fun, friendly con, and on top of that, Rachel and I can drive to it. So it really means I can, oh, I can buy whatever shit that I want to buy. I don't have to be like, does it fit in my luggage? So. Do I have to mail this back? Do I need to mail it back in priority boxes? No. Well, I, I know, yeah. and I've been looking forward to going there for a few years. I, I, I was probably the one Frog God game staffer that didn't go last year. Um, because yeah, why? Because I was looking forward to going to GaryCon, and of course, I didn't get to go to GaryCon. So I kind, of, but that TotalCon was probably the last big convention before the Great Shutdown. I have a feeling that was the last it game was. convention before, yeah. because the next one was going to be GaryCon. And for those that remember, GaryCon. Had a last minute within the like maybe ten days before the convention shut down. I mean, it, it was very, uh, very last minute what happened to GaryCon. So, um, TotalCon was the last big get together of t- 2020, and we haven't really had a, that, uh, a convention like that since. And you know, so the next the next big convention will be the next big convention. But apparently, sadly enough, it's not going to be TotalCon. And to put things in perspective, because my, my my 2020 has all these little uh, data points. Uh, at TotalCon, uh, I guess it was Saturday, I came down with an upper respiratory infection. You know, a virus, whatever. Uh, and Zach sent Rachel and I home early on, on Sunday. God bless him. I went to my doctor on Tuesday. He went, yes, after, after I went to the urgent doc out by TotalCon, yeah, it's a viral infection. Two weeks later, I'm hospitalized with pneumonia. A week after I'm hospitalized with pneumonia at Elmhurst Hospital, Elmhurst Hospital had like 18 dead in 24 hours. So that's that's the like when 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 COVID suddenly exploded in New York City, uh, that was when everything was building up and the timing was just scary as shit. So, um, and and for the the, the listeners out there. 
that, and God bless you, if you're in an area of the country that did not get hit hard by COVID, uh, God bless you. So you well, I'm going to tell you right now, since I live just over a mile from Elmhurst Hospital, when it was at its height, I, I, I even with my windows closed, I could hear ambulances constantly, almost 24-7, going to the hospital. So COVID, at least in New York City, was some scary shit for for about a month and a half. Now, uh, it it seems to have uh, no longer there, but it, it's affecting, like you said, everything. Game hole uh, shut down last week would have been ShireCon a week and a half yeah. ago. AppleCon would have been this month AppleCon. or next month, and that 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 we were actually plan- Doug and I were planning to go with our wives to AppleCon this year, and that that uh that's gone now. I'll give it now. Intro. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, the LongCon in Longview, Texas, is actually still going on, and Doug and I will be there a uh, month and a half from now. Uh, we're hoping that te- Texas uh, we did not get a uh, a Labor Day um, bounce, so we're cautiously optimistic. Apparently, people were wearing their masks and distancing during Labor Day. They said there was no uh, appreciable uh, rise in uh, cases, so we're planning on attending. Uh, um, long con, which we're only expecting maybe 50, 40 or 50 people. I mean, it's going to be small. It's going right. to be very small. Um, but Diesel's Diesel's coming up from Austin. He's going to meet us okay. there. Um, so we're, we're, but I think we've talked about this before about how for the bigger cons, it's a, it's a lot more trouble because there's a lot more moving parts. And, and I know for, I know from running a small con and really it's just, it's just Doug and I and the buck stops there. Right. I mean, we, we decide what goes on and then, you know, whether or not it happens, it has to do with, you know, what the hotel allows, but we can turn on a dime, which is right. Which make, because we only have 500 people. It's easy to turn on a dime. If you run one of these longer, larger cons like Gary con or game hole or total con, um, you've got a lot of moving parts that you got to take care of and not knowing what the future is going to hold. If there's going to be a huge, um, you know, a huge uh, um, amount of uh, COVID uh, infections in the next few months because, you know, because you, you don't just have COVID at this point. You've got the flu, just the garden variety right. flu, which which kills thousands of people every year. And and as we know, gets you, you get one person the flu at convention, you know, you basically got con crud. Everybody's got it. So you don't just have to worry about that now. you got to worry about COVID. Um, yeah, it, it's it's tough to sit there and go, you know, we're going to wait to, we're just going to wait a couple months and see what happens. Um, the chances are things aren't going to get a lot better in the next few months. Uh, matter of fact, you're you, you, like, like I said, without, you're not just going to have COVID, you're going to have flu also. Now, Gary Khan, uh, from what I understand talking to Luke and seeing Luke's posts, uh, they're committed to, to doing, um, to doing a con this year uh, at, at perhaps half of what they had uh, in 2019, which is, uh, which is about 3,000 people. I think they're they're looking at maybe about half that now. And uh, we've talked to them that they're going to do some different things with the um, the retailer room, with the um, um, how they're going to set up retailers. I mean, there's a there's a few things they're going to try because uh, we've been to GaryCon. It, it's in a very small venue. Uh, oh my so god, I was claustrophobic yeah. in 2019. It, it was 3,000. It, it was packed. It was absolutely packed. So. 1500 will be a good step in the right direction, but I'm still, you know, I probably won't go because it's still going to be a lot of people crammed into an area and with some of them perhaps being sick because Lord knows gamers are not the best people. I mean, look, a lot of us, a lot of our tribe don't even know to put deodorant on so they don't stink. 
So Fair you can't me. expect, yeah. So you can't expect them to say, "Oh, I've got a sniffle." Oh, it's nothing. I'm going to go to this big convention with 1,500 people instead of just saying, "You know what? I'm just going to stay home because I may be sick and I don't want to get other people sick." You know, if this, if this, these are the people who don't put deodorant on, so I, I don't trust them to gauge their own health enough to where they're going to say, "You know, what? I'm sick. I probably shouldn't be coming to this con." Yeah, I mean, the, the way I'm looking at it is, even if we get um, a vaccine before the end of this year, it's not going to be widely distributed in, 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 in large numbers until probably first end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter of next year. I'm figuring for Rachel and myself, North Texas is probably going to be our return to conventions. And I'm looking forward to that. <clears throat> but I'm also hoping that when return to conventions comes, that we're still not in the full mask era because yeah. I, I've learned that I, I, I can't really uh, walk around much with my glasses on with the mask on because all they do is fog up. And when I put yeah. the glasses on the top of my head, I forget they're there. And then I, you know, I lean over to look at something and my glasses go flying off my head. So uh, I think we're we're gonna have glad. I think we're gonna have masks for a while, though. I, I think masks may be something that's. I mean, you know, if you, I mean, my my daughter just came back from a couple few years in Okinawa, and you know, they they uh, when the, people are sick there, they all wear masks, um, and it's just something they do. It's just they're part of their society. I mean, you you get on the subway every day, and there's people wearing masks, and that ma a mask wear in Okinawa or Japan usually means that I'm sick. Stay away from me because they're they're trying not to spread right. their masks. I mean, regular people don't wear masks. You only wear masks when you're sick. But when you see somebody with a mask on, you know, stay away from that person. So they sit on the subway. Everybody kind of sits away from them because that, that that's a that's a tacit symbol that hey, this we're 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 sick. So I, I can see this staying around for a while in terms of hey, you know. Um, be safe and sorry i'm going to go to this uh, large event um I, you know we, we may still have mask wearing and even if uh the numbers have gone down in june in north texas because yeah. you know it's, it's, I it's mean, just I, I, it's i'll be honest oh, listen I, where i live in queens out here in new york city it's got a large asian population and i used to always see especially come the fall and the winter time you'd see uh koreans and 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 chinese and Taiwanese wearing masks. Not all of them, some of them. And in the back of my mind, I'd be like, oh, geez, here they are wearing a mask again. And now it's like, here we are, everybody's wearing a mask. Uh, unless, of course, you're going to eat at a restaurant outdoors, in which case you wear a mask until you sit down, and then once you sit down, your mask stays off for the next hour and a half, two hours, until you get up. So... And uh, yeah. that's all weirdness. So I don't well, know. That's, well, it, I'm I'm interested. It's interesting because I, I know one of the reasons behind total con canceling was because Massachusetts has had some really terrible numbers, and they have also some very strict rules in effect having to do with the amount of people can, that can go to a convention or that can appear in you know one place at one time. I think I want to say they're capped at a hundred, but it may be less than that. Um, so the, they they were not sure if these measures were going to be lifted by the time February rolled around, um, and and so Luke is going to have Gary Con, but we just we've just seen the news that uh, uh, Wisconsin also has had a huge outbreak. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, I just I, I don't 
I don't think that Luke really wants to cancel at this point, which I it's understandable, especially after last year. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but boy, if they get hit hard in the next few months, it's going to be tough again. It's going to be really tough to to have a Gary Con if the numbers are like they are right now in Wisconsin, which which they're not very good. All right. Well, and here's um, the thing with last year's Gary Con canceling as late as it did. Um, I'm sure that the uh, Gary Con LLC took a hit. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm sure there was a monetary loss, and I'm not just talking about a loss of what the earnings would have been, but I'm sure that it was actually, you know, a negative number. And it, this is a gamble. It, it's a roll of the dice. And, well, I'm uh, reading off. I'm reading off their page right now. So, so know that Gary Con. 13 will have an attendance camp of no more than 1,500 people and perhaps less. We'll be implementing safety measures such as required face masks, temperature screening, which is a good idea, more distance between tables, good idea, limited seats at tables, good idea, and similar mitigation steps. However, there will be residual risk, and anyone attending will choose to accept that risk. For all those that have high risk factors and simply cannot attend in person, we have a strong virtual component to meet your needs. Those are all good steps. Um, So I I, uh, applaud all those steps because – they're not very hard to implement, uh, but you know, if you, I mean, I have a little temperature machine over here. Um, you know, the, the Doug and I, when people come to the warehouse, we take everybody's temperature. We help, we take our own temperature when we come in. I, I just took mine a few minutes ago. I was 98. I felt like I was a little warm, but it's a little warm in here anyway. Um, yeah, we take everybody's I, I temperature. usually wear around 97 and change myself. I usually run a little cool. It's a little warm in here in this, in the, it's still a little but, warm in Texas, but, but, but yeah, that, that's good. I mean, that's that's not hard to do. That's not hard to take no. everybody's temperature. And if you get one guy rolling in, he's one on one. Hey, dude, you dude, know, you're, you're, oh, sorry, yeah, you can't come in. I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, if we need to refund you, fine. But you know, you're you're just right beyond what we consider the risk factor. You know, because you, usually you can also, swing a degree or two. Yeah, it also sounds like you just, you're going to have to sign a release just to attend. You're going to have to sign a. Thou I shalt can. not sue, uh, you know, the the Grand Geneva nor Gary Con LLC if one comes down with COVID. Well, well, it was, it's exactly the same if you go to a sporting event. If you turn your ticket over at a sporting event, there's a legalese on the back that none of us ever read. But if you read it, it basically says that, hey, if you're in the stands, you get hit by a 100-mile-an-hour foul ball off your head. Guess who's responsible? You, not us. You, you, by taking this, by going into the ballpark and using this ticket, you're basically indemnifying us from any kind of thing that might might result as, you know, something bad happening at the game. So all, all, all sporting events do that already. They, they you know, if, they, if you get a puck, hockey puck off the head or, you know, whatever, right. you know, they're covered for that. You cannot sue the – the uh the team or you know you can't sue jerry jones when a uh you know dak prescott football flies in the air and hits you in the head like i'm suing jerry no it ain't gonna happen brother sorry because you you but turn you your ticket you over head, you only care. yeah as long as you go away with the football you don't care what happened to you they broke my nose <laughs> but i got the football i got the football that was, that, was that, that was me uh last season at uh i want to say State stadium city field uh went with my brother-in-law he had he had some really nice tickets and uh, foul ball, foul foul ball uh, in the stands, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, "Holy cow! It's coming right at us!" And I put my hand out to catch it, and it must have missed my hand. I felt the I felt the breeze. I felt the wind, so it must have missed me by like half an inch. Thank God, I probably would have broken my hand oh, if boy. I caught it. But I got, but it landed in like the cutout in front of us, 
where the uh, the right field camera was, kind of like behind home plate right field uh, camera. So I got to like reach down and still grab the ball. I was like, <laughs> that works. Came All the game, no pain. Yeah. yeah. I was like, shit, nice. Well, well this that is works. well, true story. A few years ago, uh, this back when the Texas Rangers were good enough to go to the World Series a couple of times. Um, Josh Hamilton was who was the outfielder at the time, caught a ball. Tossed it up to a guy in the outfield stands. The guy reached over, missed it, fell over, and died. Uh, fell out of the outfield stands into there's like a little there's like a little crevice there where you, where it goes down. He reached over to grab the ball, missed it, and just he was a fireman. He was a, a fireman. Reached over, missed it, fell, and died. And people went, oh, you know, he's a sue. This that he can't sue. He couldn't sue. I mean, that's hard to go in the game. I mean, you I mean, about the, risk when you reach for it anyway. But the, yeah. the team did the team did a lot for his family. They they did some stuff for his family. I, I want to okay. say they they also gave him you know they gave him some money and they right. they they tried to not be jerks back because like I said the guy was a fireman and and right. it was just really a tragic thing that happened. But yeah, that was one thing that people were asking like, whoa, you know, he they can sue the team down or something. People were like, no, read the back of your ticket. <laughs> when you um, go when you go to the ballpark, yeah. You can so I'm I'm assuming that Gary Com will have much the same legal lease on the back of their tickets. Where you know, look, um, if you uh, come here and catch COVID, uh, it, you know that's you took your own risks there. That 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 was uh, that was you. That wasn't us. And I, I wouldn't I would not be surprised to see that. But that's that's just covering your ass. And and that's if that's the only way they can have the convention. Oh, I yeah. understand. It makes it makes oh, sense. Definitely. But yeah, I I think Gary Khan's not is is off my list for this year. I think it's going to be too early. And, yeah, me too. And, and, I, and, and I love Gary Khan. I love we both love Gary Khan so much. But it's just, I you know we'll wait wait a little bit. North Texas will probably be my first convention back to. Well, we'll be going to Long Con in about a month, but that's not quite the same. Um, right. I talked I talked to Douglas here, and he confirmed that we will be having North Texas. He said, "Look, if we had it last year." And we had between 60 and 80 people. Then we'll have it this year. If we have double that, then great. You know, if we have back to the, you know, but we're, we're going to assume in the next eight months that we're going to hope, hope at least that um, maybe we developed a little herd immunity. Maybe uh, there's vaccine. a vaccine developed. I mean, there's, you know, there's a few, there's a lot of variables. It's look how much things have changed just since March of this year. And, and just think about how much things may change june of next year i mean yep. it, it's really it's really too early to say but even even that even then i'm still i'm still glad that um total con made the decision now um that helps out you know it just helps people they don't have to sit because one of the bad things about gear when gary con if you remember last year oh it was, so late. It, it was in limbo yeah and it, and it was like are we gonna do it are we not gonna do it and they were gonna yep we're gonna do it we're gonna do it we're gonna do it until it was like we're not gonna do it and it just really screwed up a lot of plans. I had some friends that were that were flying in from distant places. I've had, you know, I mean, I mean, the 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 whole reservation thing was a mess. I mean, just everything ended up being a being an absolute mess. Well, let's, uh, let's be honest. So the reservation thing has been a mess almost every year <laughs> at the Grand Geneva. This yeah. year, though, I think was worse because weren't they moving people to another hotel? Mm -hmm. And they were it was even worse. Up? Yeah. Because uh, yeah. they had, oh. yeah, they had construction or something, and they had to, yeah. Well, at least, yeah, that that was that was a mess, but it ended up not mattering, right? Because then nobody right. went anyway, so uh, I guess it didn't matter. But yeah, I, I had a lot of friends that got, uh, it, it, yeah, they've always had problems with Grand Geneva. Grand Geneva, I mean, to be honest, it's not meant for this kind of event. I, I, it's a cool place, 
to have the convention, there's a lot of history established. Right. It's, you know, it used to be the Playboy Mansion. They have one of the early Gary Cons there. It's it's just a really cool place, but it's really the, the, the only place big enough in Lake Geneva to have it, number one. And then, because the nearest city, if you're going to have it somewhere, it's going to be Milwaukee, right? So, yep. I mean, it, it, and once you go to Milwaukee, then you've lost the whole small town feel of, you know, hey, this is where Gary grew up or, or Gary lived and this is where all the Gygax kids grew up. You've lost that whole thing once you leave Lake you, Geneva. You do lose that, but I, I went to one Gen Con and I think it was 92 if my photographs are, are accurate. And Milwaukee for, a, I'm a New Yorker, so but Milwaukee to me was the quote city that at least back then was like a small town. And I'll tell you why. Because the three New Yorkers uh, were surprised that when we were up early in the morning to get to the convention, go out and get our breakfast, before 8 o'clock in the morning, nobody would jaywalk. We're from New York. Everybody jaywalks. Everybody walks against the light. Nope. People would, if you said don't walk, and there was no traffic on a Saturday morning, nobody jaywalked. Uh, the homeless guy picking through the garbage. The homeless guy was, good morning, gentlemen, how are you? I was just like, my God, this is so much not New York City. So uh, Milwaukee might be a city, but it it isn't a city like we think of Dallas or 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 New York. Um, you know, people there are at least at least when I was there in the nineties, people people there were a lot more polite. <coughs> well, it, it's 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 a, I guess it's the largest city in. I mean, we're, we're, I'm used to going to Madison a lot, but I've, I've been in Milwaukee a couple of times. Uh, Lloyd Metcalf, artist, was was there. We went and visited him one year at his place in Milwaukee, and uh, and he lived downtown. Man, it was downtown. Um, but yeah, it's it's got bigger venues. But I know from talking to Luke, determined to keep this in Lake Geneva as, as long as possible. Where if, you know. And and I, th I think it's really good commitment by saying, look, we're only going to have fifteen hundred people. But we're going to stay in Lake Geneva. I think that's a that's a commitment to Lake Geneva by saying that because they're they're, they're going to make less money. There's no no. I mean, you knock fifteen hundred people off there. That's that's a lot of money you're you're kicking out. Yep. But uh, I think post COVID, I mean, I, I I was thinking that they had maybe a year left. Yeah. In Lake Geneva before they were going to burst the seams and have to leave. Now COVID is going to reset that for a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I, I still think before 2025, they, 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 they're going to be too big. They're going to have to move on. Well, you're, well that was, that's a good choice of words. And that's interesting because you're right. You're, it's, it's a reset because you're absolutely right. I mean, Luke was going to have to make a decision sooner rather than later. Now that's going to be pushed back a couple of years because not just the fact that they only have 1,500 people, but people like you and I probably aren't going to attend just because of medical issue reasons. Yep. And and. You know, and we, we probably won't attend a convention like that till we feel safe. I mean, one of the good things about North Texas is we have a, it's a big venue. There's, there's a, there, for only 500 people, there's a lot oh, of God, space. Yeah. You, you're not crammed in there because we're using the whole Marriott Hotel. So, you, and, and that's, I think, um, Alex's Game Hole Con is, is benefiting by the same thing because they have the entire convention center, which is huge. So they, you can really space yourself out. Um, 
unfortunately, GaryCon just has the disadvantage of being just really a small venue. Um, it, it, it gets very, very crowded. Um, Cause yeah, I'm looking at that last year going, I don't know how you're going to be able to do this in the age of COVID. I mean, it's, it's pretty much packed, packed. I mean, the same thing as, uh, is, um, um, gosh, I, you know, I, I four weeks out of, without a mic in front of my face. And I just like, uh, yeah. it's a senior moment. Uh, we love you anyway. The big convention in Indianapolis every year. What's that thing called? Gen Con. Yes. Gen Con. Gen Con. I look at Gen Con, I was like, there's no way they can do Gen Con in the age of COVID. I mean, it's just, no. it's packed person to person. And and to their credit, of course, they didn't do it. But you still got to look going forward. Going forward, are you still able to do it? Because well, they had, you know, last year they had, what, 65, or well, last year they had the con, 2019, they had 65,000 people. Can you still even have a safe con with 30,000 people? That's, that's still a lot of people. There's a lot of people. I mean, I mean, uh, right now, football, I know. Um, football, empty um, stadiums, yeah. You say it was, uh, Jer Jerry had so Dallas allowed them to do twenty five percent, which I, which with a hundred thousand stadium, they were allowed to have twenty five thousand people in there. And I, if you saw it on TV, it was pretty empty. And for twenty five thousand yeah. people in a hundred thousand foot, hundred thousand person stadium is is it looked really empty. And of course, I saw the Monday night game last uh, the other night, and it was absolutely. I mean, it looked crazy because it's just absolutely empty. It's crazy watching them play football games in these giant stadiums with nobody in there. But even even with twenty five thousand people in, in Jerry World, it, it just looked crazy. It was but there was lots of space. I mean, I would say twenty five thousand people was probably pretty safe because I didn't see anybody within like twenty feet of each other in that whole yeah. stadium. It, it was very spaced out. The way the way I'm I'm looking at it is if next spring, if Major League Baseball is back to full stadiums, you have Gen Con. If Major League Baseball is back with 25% capacity, you don't have Gen Con because you can't make these fucking people uh, socially distance. It's hard. It's hard enough to socially distance people at a at a sporting event where you can you can spread their seating out, um, or a small con. But even if you say we're going to have only 20,000 people at, at Gen Con, then they're not going to socially distance. It ain't happening. It's, Not it's, if you're gaming around the same table. No, no, no. I, I mean, I, 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 I would assume Gary Con by saying they're probably going to limit tables. I would say probably six, maybe. I know that's what Doug and I had decided with uh, North Texas um, was six people a table, and that because that was what the with the uh, Dallas County rules were that if you had a social event, right. you could only have six people per table. So that's why we had said only six people a table. I would assume Gary Con is going to do something similar and and we see how the rooms are arranged like you know let's say that your room has eight tables i would also assume that means they're only going to have three or four tables a room um probably need to get we need to get luke on here talk to luke about this he'd probably throw some throw some light on that but um i, I know in luke they're going to do it they're going to do it as safely as possible oh sir um so it's going to be interesting it's, it's you know it's, it's one of those developing situation type stories you know we've, we've got a long Long winter ahead of us still. You know, we still have October, November, December, January, February. You know, that the convention's not till the end of March. Uh, so it's probably probably best that TotalCon, since they're in February and they're a little earlier, uh, they had a little less time to prepare than GaryCon does. And, right. and I don't know what their what was their attendance last year? Do you did you I, know what total attendance was? Over a thousand, but I'm 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 not sure exactly what the uh I mean, they're not a gigantic con. They're smaller than Gary Con, right? I yeah, mean, they're smaller than Gary Con, but they still got large numbers. I mean, and even and even they are bursting at the seams when they have mm -hmm. to use the uh, 
the breakfast area uh, for gaming, you know, in the afternoon and the evening. So, yes. so, so they're pushing the limits of of, of their hotel. So, but uh, well, anyway, so um, this is something we were gonna we're gonna keep up with, and I, I'll have to talk. I'm gonna talk to Luke. Maybe we get Luke on here. We get talk talk to Luke about that, and then make Luke talk with us about current events and stuff because we don't we don't do reviews or or promotions. So we'll, we might just get Luke in here, ask no, some questions, and then, then make him tell us what he what he really thinks about five E or something. <laughs> so, ooh, ooh, yeah. But uh, like- so, story you th- you tossed at me that I, I was kind of only tangentially keeping up with, which I thought was really cool, is the Hero Quest story. Why don't you uh, talk about that a little bit? Well, okay. Well, the Hero Quest is the classic board game by Milton Bradley, which is now, I guess, uh, one of the labels of Hasbro. About eighty four, original so, nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Right now, I never owned it. Uh, I think I, I I played it once or twice with uh, my old gaming group, and it was it was cool. I mean, and I always remember like you know going, oh man, I really want to get this. And by the time I really wanted to get it, it was like out of print. Although I think that uh. Didn't Games Workshop do like an advanced Hero Quest? I don't remember, but they may have. But it, it even if they did, it was hard to get. It was very difficult to come across. Yeah. So in any case, uh, apparently, uh, before Hero Quest came out, because and uh, uh, here's the here is the uh, uh, the truth. I actually read this on N World, so uh, it, it, go right to the source material on this one if you want. The unabbreviated, unabridged version. Um, Greg Stafford was working on a game that he wanted to call Hero Quest, but it took him too long to actually finish it. But once it finished, Hero Quest was already out by Milton Bradley, so he couldn't. So he came out with, uh, I believe, Hero Wars. After Hero Wars um, was out, Milton Bradley let. Hero Quest Labs. So Moon Design, which then became part of or owned by Chaosium, uh, went, oh my God, look, the trademark lapsed. Because who else grabbed the lapsed trademark? Oh, the new TSR grabbed the lapsed trademark. I think uh, Gangbusters was a lapsed trademark. If you pay attention, you can grab a lapsed trademark. Uh, They grabbed the trademark, and then Hero Wars became... uh, Hero Quest. So now Chaosium owned it, and apparently this past July, this past July, two months ago, they sold the trademark to Hasbro. Now, the article on Enworld does not talk about what kind of money was exchanged, but uh, I, I would say it's safe to assume it was a significant figure because they are... I'm going to say kickstarting, but it's not really kickstarting. It's crowdfunding, and it's crowdfunding through Hasbro's own fucking website. Not Haslab. through Haslab. It's called Haslab. Yes. Yes. Not through Kickstarter. Uh, not through Indiegogo. Not through any of these other uh, uh, crowdfunding places. Like I don't know, was it Crowdox or whatever? Um, <clears throat> their own. So that means that except for the payment processing. They keep it all. They're not paying Kickstarter a five percent commission. Just brilliant, brilliant. Because they, they wanted to. Yes. Oh, they're gonna kick ass on this. They oh, wanted God. to raise a million dollars. 
So when I saw this initially yesterday, because it started popping up in my feed, I think it was just under, um, I don't know, it's like 800,000 was raised. I checked earlier today, 1.3 million. And I thought, how much time is left in this, Mike? Like uh, six weeks? I'm hey yeah I'm, I'm hell I'm throwing 150 at it but but yeah that's I think they still got a month and a half left that's crazy so yeah this is this is gonna be several right now, million dollars when they get through you can you can you can you can back it you can basically it, it's a pre-order because it, it it's gonna it's gonna happen but it's 99 dollars for the standard edition 149 for the bulls out edition and. Uh, this is going to be huge, and I fully expect, with the gaming communities out there, that the moment this lands in in on people's doorsteps, people are going to be house ruling the shit out of this. There are going to be rules to make this uh, into uh, heck. Swords of Wizardry Light, and you know where you're going to be able to level with it or something like that with very basic rules. It's going to happen. And uh, I, I see this is going to be huge. But I also, this was pointed out to me by somebody else that we, we know mutually, they suspect that this was Hasbro's way of seeing if they could crowdfund their own projects and maybe get some more obscure trademarks and IPs out there this way, knowing that there's no risk. It's already paid for if it funds. And maybe this is how we're going to see. Maybe this is how we see the additional settings that Wizards of the Coast was talking well, about. Well, inter- well interesting enough, um, Hasbro owns some old uh, Avalon Hill stuff too. So that, I'm, I'm interested. I, I don't know what they own of Avalon Hill. I do know they bought some Avalon Hill properties. That'd be interesting to see some Avalon Hill stuff the- crowdfunded. I thought they bought everything that, or they may know, have. I, they they have. I thought they got the whole library. In case they they would have some really so- interesting material that you know you might be able to crowdfund and that normally you wouldn't you wouldn't do a print run of because you're not sure how many you're gonna sell but this is just a really elaborate um earlier you know early order system is all it is i mean it's that's that's all it is i mean it's it's brilliant because they're really just taking pre-orders they're taking pre-orders of something and and they've already stated that they're going to ship their they will this will not be in the store until everybody has a copy which i think is a great idea they're they're going to make sure they ship to all their um people before they ever even put it in the store and so they're going to sell x amount of copy millions of copies before they even put it in the store when they put it in a store it's going to it's going to sell off the shelf i mean yes it's got a high price point 99 dollars which is a high price point um but you know what games are expensive now you go to you go up and down your you know your local game store uh it's not unusual to find hundred dollar games that's just something that you know you'll see in game stores uh but i think this is really interesting i i think they're I I, I, I kind of like the way they're bypassing Kickstarter and just saying Lord's gonna do this on our own. They can they can do that because they're Hasbro. I don't think a lot of other companies could do this because they don't have the amount of money and the amount of trust built up over decades and decades that, that Hasbro does. Um, but uh, it's it's really interesting to think about what properties may become available. Like I said, especially if they own the Al- the Avalon Hill. Um, uh, property. Well, that's um, a lot of war games, but isn't that also oh, yeah. Lords of Creation? Well, nobody's going to buy Lords of Creation. No, no. <laughs> nobody bought it. Then. Nobody bought it. Nobody bought it when it, before, when it came uh, out. Powers and Perils, right? Yeah. Come on. Uh, no. Uh, 
How about uh, Mag- was it Magic Realm? Avalon Hill. Magic Realm. Yeah, Magic Realm. That's oh, good. Because I don't want to see that, that one either. Because that dude, I, 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 I finally <laughs> threw that one away. I didn't even sell it. I threw it the fuck away. You don't understand. Uh, I set it up on my bedroom floor when yeah. I was like twenty to try yeah, to figure out how to. You got a house you, you Learn it in like yeah. stages. And yeah, it's after crazy. stage like eleven, I and uh-huh. like an eleven weeks of this shit, I just bagged it up in a garbage bag and put it out yeah, in the yeah. garbage. I was like, you, I that, can't. Yeah, that that that's ba- that is really one of those games you have to uh, house rule anyway. It doesn't really work. But I mean, here's some. I, I'm I'm gonna throw some names out. Oh, here's some. Uh, uh, Mid Midway. Would you like? Would you buy a new version of Midway? Yes, Midway's one of, my favorite, one of my favorite war games ever. And not just because I won with the Japanese one time against a guy who's a certified war game expert, and, and I lost every ship, but I won on points. It was awesome. Um, no, Mid- Midway is a great game. I-, I would I would buy a new version of Midway. Um, what about? Let's see, what we got here. Uh, you know what, what about- I want? I want a new version of Amoeba Wars. All right, I oh, loved yeah. Amoeba. I still have it on my fucking shelf. Um, it was a really cheesy science fiction uh, game, but it was it was great beer and pretzels game. So I I, I want to be able to break that one out again with a brand new you, version. I'll, I'll- how about uh, Wooden Ships and Iron Man? I love that game. I remember playing that game. Now, there, no, there, was, there was a lot of pieces. A lot of pieces, yeah. which is always annoying. Uh, it always seems like you lose some of the pieces <laughs> of that game. Um, yeah, man, there's there's a you know, yeah, you don't you don't want to commit to actually um a bunch of Avalon Hill games that nobody might buy, but if you did a pre-order like this. And see how many people would buy, you know, Midway. Which I think there there would be people out there that would do it. I, I don't know if you'd have a lot, but nostalgia is a strong sell nowadays. And uh, I, I heck, I'd buy one. I'd buy a new, uh, a new, nicely done uh, uh, Midway. And there, shoot, there's a bunch of stuff like that. I mean, I, I know they're not going to do outdoor survival, but I, you know, outdoor no. survival is such, it's such a historical. It's a terrible game, but it's such a historical landmark. Because that—that's you know, oh, it's it's had such a close connection to O D and D, and it's still being referred to nowadays. If you ever, if you ever look at Greg Gillespie's, uh, what I call Gillespie World, um, Barrel Maze, and um, all the other, they all take they basically take place on the map of Outdoor Survival. You can place okay. those on the map of Outdoor Survival. He 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 snuck that in there. So I didn't notice that until somebody else pointed that out to me, but um. How about I mean Squad Leader? Are they still on Squad Leader? Squad Leader's uh, uh that's a classic. I mean, can... That's another game that I, I I that one I owned and I knew it would have been playable if I was willing to put the time into fully learning it. But I didn't need advanced squad leader. I needed like squad leader for dummies. And um, <laughs> oh. they never came out with a squad leader no, for dummies. No. They did. I, I just uh Cir- Circus Maximus was originally an Avalon Hill game. I I would buy I would buy their version of uh Circus Maximus, even though that you know we have our own version we play now at North Texas, but shoot, I'd buy a version of, I'd buy another Circus Maximus. Because we, we got the big board here, man. We got the giant board that we use. Dun 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 Auto Canal was a I'm looking at a list here. I, most of the stuff I never even played. Oh dear. Some of the stuff and the thing about Avalon Hill games is a lot of them are really hard, and I'm just not. Um, if somebody taught you the game, it was always much easier. Um, yes. But when you try to learn it yourself, it just always seemed like you're okay. Rule fourteen point point seven 
goes back and refers to rule 3.7.92 and it just got uh, i just I, i'm just spending too much time trying to figure this out yeah but, but yeah if, if they brought back those like you know Kamiba wars one of those like bookshelf games like they were all the same size box um i i, I i'd collect that shit again and i'm not that i should but i would how about a version of tactics just to show people because tactics I, I is was thinking about I mean, that, I mean yes it's one of the first war i mean it's not a great war game by any standards it's very primitive but no. it's that's where it all began man tactics is where it all pretty much yep. began that that was the birth of modern wargaming tactics and tactics too yeah. um so yeah that that would be interesting just titan do they still they still own titan I, now, now they came uh, with a avalon hill just yeah avalon hill just came out with a new version of titan about oh five or six years ago that was really nice but they they own I think if they own the Avalon Hill uh, imprint they own Titan now too Titan's Titan's a classic game. Um, it, yeah, it'd be interesting. It's interesting to see where they could go with this. Uh, I I don't think there's any negatives unless somebody can point a negative out to me. I don't think there's any negatives with uh um with them doing so well on the Hero Quest Kickstarter. There's well, two levels. There's, here. A, there's not ninety nine level and the one hundred fifty dollar one hundred fifty dollar. It also includes uh, two extra um. Game packs, the two ones that were always hard to find, Keller's oh. Keep, and I can't remember the other one. They're, they were just the really hard ones to find. No, so you know, I, I I gotta I gotta collect it. And here's the other here's here's the thing, and I'm gonna throw this out there as free advice to Hasbro. You could, Rachel, are you destroying the kitchen? <laughs> like, damn! Holy crap! Um, I think actually, I think she's feeding, uh, getting uh, dog food out. But you know, the dried food. I hear crunch. Mm. You could you could do like a crowdfunding subscription, so you get a a new game from the collection every other month. Every month would be too too often. Oh, I, I would do that. that. I do. I it. would do that too. Oh, I, I would do. I would never play them here. That, that's the that, and that's the weirdest part. I would probably never play these games because I got nobody local that would play them with me. But I'd still buy them to read the rules and 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 touch the pieces, and and dream of what may be one time. Well, I tell you what would be interesting about this coming out, and this, you're probably going to see this once Hero Quest comes out. You're going to see it start being played at conventions, and people are going to actually yep. start playing it. So you'll actually have people to play with. It, it won't be like I've got this old game of Hero Quest. I'm not going to pull it out because it's worth so much money. I can't. I can't bear to see somebody, you know, drop one of the plastic pieces on the ground and step on it, or you know, I, I don't want to get it out. It's too collectible now. You can't. You can't get it out and play. It's. It's falling into that category of like my set yeah. of Divine Right. Like we play up at the warehouse. I pull out my original set of Divine Right, even though I have the reprint set, and we set it up and play it. But I'm always really nervous the whole time. I'm waiting for somebody to, to spill their coke on the board, or you know, drop a lose a chit or something. You know, I'm always kind of kind of a little shaky watching them play Divine Right. But yeah, well, once I everybody has a copy, the same thing happened with Ogre. Once uh, Steve Jackson did the Ogre reprint, you actually saw Ogre games being played. You know, you go to conventions, you'd yep. be setting up the Ogre stuff. Although so I, that'd be, I will admit that my Ogre, my Kickstarter version of Ogre, should probably get sold at some point. Mine's still in the box. Space. But oh, although I, I, Doug's, we have Doug's out, and we've actually put all the ships together. So if anybody oh, wants to come to the warehouse mine, and play, we're ready to roll. Mine are rolled together. Don't get me wrong; I okay. spent like three days putting them all together and spread out, and it was, and they look awesome. But it ain't going to be played. I, I, I mean, I guess I could take it to TotalCon one year, but I'd have to find 
room to play it. She, you'd have to get a, you'd have to hire a van to drive it up. It's so huge. Yeah, that that's, that's one thing Steve Jackson games did right. I mean, and I also understand that's going to be the same deal with their Car Wars. It's, it's really was done almost too well. I, I know, and I, and Steve Jackson has told me this personally, and and I believe it. They, they lost money on. Uh, oh yeah, on, no, they, yeah, they certainly. But you know what? They gained PR. They gained goodwill. They gained loyal customers. Well, apparently they're going to lose money on Car Wars, <laughs> from what I understand. Just a little bird birdie told me because of the, some of the issues they're having. So when Car Wars eventually comes out, it's going to look really nice. You're probably going to see people play Car Wars uh, more often. But yeah, that was a. I think that was another money loser for the company in terms Munchkin, of man, mun, m- oh, Munchkin, man, Munchkin prints money. So yep. they they you know they can afford the uh, the the vanity uh, maybe not vanity but the the projects that Steve is not going to make a huge profit on or may be lucky to break even on, he can afford those projects that make him happy because he's got Munchkin. And I don't, like I have the fan, I bought the fantasy trip, the big, well, okay. I have a story to tell you about that. Yep. I just remembered something. I didn't buy the fantasy trip, the big giant box set. You know where I got my fantasy trip. Do you know where I got my fantasy trip? Well, you get, tell you're... you where I got my fantasy trip. Went to Gary Con two years ago, and I was talking to Steve Jackson and telling him how much I enjoyed Fantasy Trip, but I, I couldn't really afford it. It was too much. He said, you want a copy? I said, uh, yeah. He said, I brought a copy up here for a demonstration, but I was just going to give it away to somebody afterwards. Would you like that copy? What do you think I said, Eric? Oh, do, you think I, <laughs> do you think I said, hell no, I will not do that? So I have a, I have a Steve Jackson signed... Uh, um, fancy trip box. It's absolutely beautiful. It is, so, but that's the kind of thing that's cool about this stuff. It, it's that's the kind of thing you put on your shelf and it just looks great. I'm sure yeah. this hero quest is going to yeah. look. It's going to look great too. It's going to yep. look incredible on the shelf. Whether we play it now, or not, it's going to look great. Now I I backed Kickstarter, but at the same time, I also met with Phil Reed when he was in Manhattan because he had a copy to give me before the Kickstarter shipped. Oh. So, I I had I had two copies and then I had to move one on. Two, um, we're, you and I are just two inside, man. We get all this inside it, stuff. It's, we, it's, we don't we don't deserve it. We don't deserve this stuff. We really don't. And uh, actually, I, I got to grab Phil Reed one day, either for this podcast or just a regular uh, fireside chat, because he has found the secret of the one dollar Kickstarter, and he is doing extremely well. Doing one dollar Kickstarters where you get a lot of value for your buck, and since there's nothing in print, it's all PDF. Each additional backer is simply pure profit. He, so. Yeah, he he was a, he is one of those few people who was able to find way just a regular guy. I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, yes, he's number two at C. Jackson Games, blah blah, but. You ask a lot of people who, who Reed is, they don't know who he is. They, 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 I mean, you know, your average guy does not know who Reed is, right? I mean, they, he's, just, right. he's a he's a name that you and I know or people that are in the business know. And he found a way to make money by gaming the system in a way. I mean, just what he does, it's just oh, so but, cool. But you know what? He was one of the first people. I subscribed to his mailing list back in like 2000. He had a like a daily mailing list of de- uh, like gaming hints. GM advice. I forget what he actually called. I probably have to go back to my. Oh, I think my AOL account is dead. 
I have to probably go back to my AOL account to find all those original emails. But it was awesome. So when I saw his name starting getting attached to things that Steve Jackson gained, I was like, I know who this guy is. Because I had just found him and he was bringing out good stuff. And, you know, it was it was the same era uh, when Christian Walker was putting out scroll works and iron rations, the early zines that we would now call OSR before there was an OSR that was actually defined. So this, these, these well, are people yeah, and, and don't even forget on. some like Wolfgang Barr, who basically um, did did Kickstarter before there was ever a Kickstarter when he did his uh, funding stuff. It, yeah. he, he broke away from TSR, started his own company, and he was uh, doing 3.5 editions of stuff way before Kickstarter even started. He, you I know, think, hey, I since, think they were three. I think it was three X edition stuff. He did one. I think I, three point five. I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah, I think he started. He started yeah. early on. Cobalt Quarterly. Yeah, Cobalt Quarterly, all that stuff. Yeah. So he, there's some guys that are smart enough to get ahead of the curve, and they get in yep. there and they they figure out a way to make it work, and they're kind of like the you know, the trailblazers of the hobby, the guys that get in there and figure this stuff out. I mean, Wolfgang, you know, he's he's doing still doing all right in the business because he has a very loyal, loyal audience built up yeah. over the past few decades because he, whatever he. He fun, whatever funded came out. I mean, he he never screwed over his subscribers. No, you know, he, 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 oh, he was always uh, always produced bang for the buck, and that's what that's one thing you got to do. And especially when you're not using a platform, when you're not using Kickstarter, and you and you still don't screw people over. People appreciate that, you know, because you don't have anybody holding you responsible. You it was know, all could, word of mouth back then, and and social media wasn't what it was. Yeah. So, Ooh. no, he had a he had a. AOL page or something. I can't remember what it was. I, I don't remember. <coughs> GeoCities? It was something like that. And I, I found out there. I actually bought his 3.0 version of um, uh, the Ghoul, uh, Ghoul Lords, whatever it was called. Because I he did a really good uh, adventure in Dr Dungeon Magazine uh, back in the 90s about this this uh, underground uh, kingdom. Kingdom of the Ghouls. That's what it was. And he went ahead and updated 3.0. Even though I didn't play 3.0, I still bought it because it was, it was Wolfgang Barr. And it's stuff's cool. Um, but yeah, it's it. These guys, uh, they're the movers and shakers, man. They they get in there and they do things before anybody else uh, thinks about it, and then everybody else is like, "Oh, that's a great idea!" Like, yeah, it was. It was a great idea. So, yeah, that's that's um that's cool about Phil getting that done. But yeah, I'm excited about stuff. Like I said, I love these real big Vandy editions stuff. I, I have a big shelf. I've got the Vandy edition of Mass and Arthotep, the the Chaosium. Super Dungeon oh, Adventure. Wow, okay. just, oh, it's so great, and it's one of my favorite adventures ever. And so I, I finally bought the three the three book kind of box set. That's it was like a hundred something dollars. I got it, and yeah. um, it looks Bjorn great. It looks great on my shelf. Yeah. yeah, Orient Express. Yeah, I need to get that one. I don't have the Vanity Press version of that. That's that looks really nice though. That Orient Express one. Um, but yeah, I love I gotta, those things. I, I got to put aside it. a week of time just to read it. You know, it's I, I kind of remember bits and pieces from the original. But I really need to like just sit down with this one and and and, and pour it. Isn't so. that the tragedy that we're kind of alluding to a tragedy here? Is that you get these things and they look great and you may read them, but gosh, do we ever really play them that much? I I know I love my fantasy trip box set, but I I, I don't know if I'll ever get it out and play it. I, I just think yeah. it looks it looks great, and I loved reading it and all the nostalgia because we used to have little pocket games. You know, you stick in your back pocket, you bring it to school, and you oh you god, play, you play during lunchtime, and yep. oh, all, all those were great. We loved all the old pocket games that, you know, that came out. Oh, yeah. 
Ogre, um, GEV, oh Vampire boy. from TSR. Oh yeah, though, oh yeah, because TSR had four or five of those too. They had those little box yep. games. Um, who's the company by How the Howard? What's his name? Ran they had all the little micro games. We 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 played all those micro games. Oh, the micro games that came in yeah. the, uh, the plastic envelope. The plastic envelope. Yeah, those were great. We used to play it. So I, I it was a lot of nostalgia looking at the uh, yeah, fantasy gaming. trip box Met set. Metagaming. Yeah, metagaming. That was it. There we go. Metagamers, yeah. Those are great, and I just loved all the updated versions. Those were cool. That's why I, I, I got the Ogre, too, because the Ogre was just... There's just so much nostalgia involved, but gosh, I don't play it very much. I think we played we Ogre played once the, last year. That was it. Yeah, Ogre, GEV, G, uh, then Shockwave. Yeah, we played all, all three of them as like one huge game. That was a one hell of a distraction. Seems like we had more time back then too. I don't have any time to be doing this. I I'm lucky we run one one um Highfell game a month, and even then it's like like we're at the end of the month we haven't played. Everybody's like, we're gonna play next week. I'm like, yeah, I guess we're gonna play Sunday because we skipped every other weekend this month. We gotta yeah. play, but man, just don't have any damn time. Well, it's just, it, 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 Mike, I retired. Uh, well, I I retired. Four years ago this July, but I effectively stopped working St. Patty's Day of 2016. And I was like, one of the, uh, one of the first things I'm going to do when I retire, <clears throat> I'm going to take out the extended cut of The Lord of the Rings and then uh, the movies of The Hobbit, and I'm going to make a marathon from 8 in the morning to 8 at night. Woohoo! We're going to watch all those. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and you do no, that. No, and you no, had no. To, how many times you done that already? You that twice no. right no, no, haven't never. haven't done it yet man i haven't done it yet. <laughs> oh you know just because you and you, you, there's other stuff that i it, whether it's little stuff or big stuff you find that in all honesty you probably have to be home with the flu in order to sit down and watch tv for 12 hours even if you <laughs> even if you're not quote working even if you're retired because you need something that's going to keep you in bed, but not put you to sleep. Right. So you know. Well, hey, oh, it was uh, something that we did in the uh, last couple of weeks. We had a we had Frog God Game Day. I, I forgot yep. about that. Just throw yeah. that in real quick because we've already been here an hour and a half. I at least want to throw that in there. And we both ran Swords and Wizardry Light. So I, I haven't talked to you since then. How did your game go? It went very well. I had seven players. Uh, we had a very good time. I it I, I ran the adventure. Uh, from the premiere issue of Torchlight, and I, I was like, all right, I'm gonna set it up that they're caravan guards, and they're gonna get, you know, a couple of uh, goblins are gonna hold up the caravan, and they're gonna <sighs> force them away, and then they're gonna track them and find out where the goblins' main base is, this old <laughs> temple, you know, t temple slash. You know, tomb, and uh, yeah, th th my goblin, the one goblin who can can speak common, is like, you know, to pay toll, one gold each. And my players are like, but you can't spend gold. You can't go to town. What are you gonna do with gold? <laughs> Fuck. All right. Uh, one wagon. What, what are you gonna do with a wagon? You can't take it off the road. And we're sure that whatever you, your, your base has got to be off. To, that's like. God damn it! All right, well then, uh, uh, one cask ale, some sleeping rolls, and some jerky. All right, that we can do, and they they give it. 
And then I'm like, fuck. It's like, that was the whole, I mean, here I go. Every group I've run always finds an excuse to get into combat. Of These course. People were yeah. good. Yeah, Smart. they role-played it. Smart. Well, yeah, then, of course, they, they get reprimanded by the uh, the caravan master that I hired you to protect my goods, and here you are giving my shit away. So they Do we get in the battle? To... It, it, is there blood all over your wagons? No. Is there no. a dead horse? No. Come on, no. man. No. So they go, they, they track the goblins down, and then the adventure. But at the end, the adventure didn't go the way I thought it would. I was expecting it to be this, you know, they're killing goblins while in the meantime something's going on in the background. And instead, they're more uh, solving a mystery. They killed some goblins almost in a case of mistaken identity and then wind up killing the Skull Walker, which was the real bad guy, without actually engaging the goblins. Actually having the goblins watching the combat and becoming, in the end, allies of the PCs, it did not play out at all the way I had planned. But you go with the way your your players mm-hmm. take the adventure. They really exactly. they, they pushed they pushed me, and that was great. So I I told them I got to do this before uh, Peck shuts down the the uh, channels over in Frog God at the end of the month. I got to uh, get everybody's information from Discord because we're going to do this. Once a month, we're going to continue uh-huh. with our adventures and well, drop in, drop out. So, if, you know, only four people can make it. We'll allow three other players to jump in and, you know, we'll, we'll do it that way. I, I want to do. Uh, so mine was a set. It was a setting. It's a it's a oasis, a desert oasis. There's a little small town there and there's a dungeon called the dungeon that it goes down. It's like five levels down there. And I I borrowed it off a website. It's an old uh, Adventure Conquer King dungeon written in like, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. But uh, the guy never republished. I actually have a – I sent him an email. never heard back from him. I want to know if he ever did anything with it. But it, it, what I liked about it was everything was already pretty much – because Swords Wizardry Light uses die 20s and die 6s. Right. So, well, almost everything in there was written for basic D&D slash AC – K Venture Cocker King, which used mostly die six, die twenty. So it's very right. easy to convert. Very easy to convert. So I had five players, and interesting enough, one one was from um Germany, almost oh, from wow. Sweden Sweden. Both were not English was their second language, obviously. Um, and one guy was even said he he, he in very broken English, he said he was gonna be silent herald because he said, I don't <laughs> speak English very good, so my my fighter will just kind of go along and do whatever. And but I, I thought I mean, look, other countries are way ahead of us speaking double languages because oh god, you know, yeah. I, I mean god, my, my German would sound like oh god, it'd be awful. So we were, we complimented him on he his his English was broken, but it was fine. But anyway, so so we played him and, and uh there was one player there ju- um uh, Kim George, who who was actually second level because her character had been through three adventure or two adventures already, so she started off as second level. And as you know, in Swords Wizard Light, you go up per event, you go up uh, two adventures to second level, three adventures to third level, you know, so on and so on. Far you don't you don't collect experience points, which makes it much much easier. You just keep track of how many adventures you've been in. So she was a, she was second level, so and she was a fighter, and so she was actually pretty tough. She had. I want to say she had like 12 or 13 hit points. So she was, she went ahead of everybody. She was like the, the toughest guy there. They, they had all fighters and one cleric and one, and one thief. So no mages, which was tough. Cause you know, mages have that sleep spell that helps out yep. a lot. 
Um, but we had a blast. We had a good time. They, they, they went around the town. They, they met some people in town, kind of got to know what was going on there. Uh, then they next day, it's, the dungeons only open 12 hours and it rotates. So every 12 hours, the doors open and then 12 hours is shut. So if you're in there when it shuts, you're, you're in there overnight. And so they wanted to make sure they got there right when it opened and got all their stuff done and got out because there was a rumor that if you stayed there overnight, you're probably going to end up dead, which is just a rumor. I mean, you, you could survive or not, depending on if you survive the wandering monsters. Um, but they went in the dungeon. They they found they had some interesting encounters. They they played really well. Um, didn't really do anything stupid. They they were pretty. Their tactics were great. Um, they all loved the idea of Swordsman's Light a lot. I mean, and, and it was easy. The two uh, foreigners or non-English people had never right. played uh, Swords of Wizardry Light before, and we were able to pick it up very quickly, and I think they probably were able to pick it up quicker than a lot of the games because of how simple it is. It's yeah. just, and everybody had already downloaded the rules from the Frog Eye Games site, so they had the rules. And I think there was one or two questions about the rules, but that's the great thing about Swords of Wizardry Light. It's, it's extremely easy to figure out. you know. And so there was, I think one guy had a couple of questions, and, and it was pretty self-explanatory once we showed him, you know, this is this and like he, he went like one of the questions was like well do you start out with um what, what are your starting belongings we said well you get pack one or pack two because there's two pack on the sheet itself there's um adventure packs so we said just get grab one of the adventure packs and then one guy said well can we buy other things i said well there's a there's a general store in town you tell me what you want to buy and we'll see if he has it in stock and so one guy wanted to buy something that would obviously not be in a desert outpost it was something like a, a suit of plate mail and i said this guy has no plate mail there's there's none there and it turned out that he said he gets most of the, the armor and weapons he sells from adventures that die in the dungeon <laughs> that other people find their belongings. So what did my party do? They only ended up finding about oh, a couple hundred gold pieces in the dungeon, but they brought up everything they found, which included several sets of armor, many weapons, and some other stuff. And they all ended up selling that, and they made more money selling the belongings than they did finding treasure. So I thought that was kind of that was go. very very intelligent of them is to say, hey, the the guy in town said he was buying adventure stuff, and so they brought up you know four or five sets of chainmail and some and a bunch of swords and bows and stuff, and they ended up getting way more gold than what they came came in there with. So they they had fun, and I, I did the same thing, Eric. I, I said, look, we're I'm probably going to run this once a month, and so we'll just whoever wants to show up can show up a thing you know and if yep. if you want to show up and i'm i'm pro i think i'm going to run that every frog god game stay now and i told them if they wanted to come to the next if they wanted to play in your game or my game uh if they did just just bring the same character and then just yeah, let let you or i know how many sessions they've been in because that's all we need to know is how many sessions yep. have you been in because i told i told kim now you now you've been in one session towards your level three you need two more and you'll be level three and so she was all excited about that and she she picked up a baby um Maybe cockatrice that instead of turning um, things to stone, turns things to glass. They, they killed the mother and they had two eggs. And so she says she's going to hatch the eggs and try to train the cockatrice. So I said, that sounds yeah. fun. Okay. We'll, we'll go. We'll see how that works out. We'll, so, so, he, so she and I worked out together. So, of course, this is just off the grid. We're like, okay, well, it's a baby cockatrice. How about if it touches somebody, it doesn't turn them to glass, but it'll turn like their finger to glass or like their hand. So if somebody reaches it and tries to grab it and it pecks its hand like his hand turns to glass, we thought that sounded pretty cool. So I said, okay, well, if you decide to do this with Eric, that the baby is just a little baby, but that's all it can do. It can just right. run around, you know, and it's it's only it's only got, you know, it's a cockatrice, I think it's five hit dice. So this is only going to have one hit die, only this many hit points. 
I said, so I'll, I'll let you have it next time we go in the dungeon if you want to bring baby cockatrice in. But remember, it's very fragile. I mean, they're they're really low hit points, but it could possibly help you during a battle if it you know, pecked an orc in the foot. And next thing you know, his foot's glass and he's screaming and falling on the ground. Or and So he, it was fun. We, we, had, we had a great time just kind of, you know, BS and stuff like that. I mean, I just that's just stuff I made up on the spur of the moment. And we just thought and that's, that's the best. Fun. That really is the best. Oh, it is. It is. Because then she wanted to roll with it. She's like, well, I'm going to keep the eggs and hatch them now. And I didn't even think that. I thought they would just sell the eggs. I'm like, okay, that's right. you can do. Let's try that. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, maybe so, yeah, we, 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 we had a good time. I, I I'm excited about the next game day. Now that I we had a really really fun time, and, and it worked really good. Good. I, I had a little problem with the map um, because I did, wasn't using roll twenty, and I wasn't using a whiteboard. I was just basically drawing the map and then showing up a picture with my camera. And I'm going to have to do that a little better because that that it ended up being my camera's just not very good. And it, it it was really hard to see the map for them. So, you know what I I, I just uh, roll to, I use roll twenty and like I explained to the group going into it because we had some people who were like roll twenty experts. I was like, listen, I use roll twenty for two things: fog of war to reveal the map, and dice rolling. Other than that, I don't use it. I don't use tokens. I if you yeah. if you're gonna move someplace, you point it with the pointer because. As a player, I forget to move tokens. You don't want me forgetting to move tokens at the GM. It, just, uh-huh. it won't be pretty. I actually had their had their miniatures set up on a map, and I would show them the map and said, "This is what your character. This is what you look like." And then when it came to combat, we just did a lot of theater of the mind. Yep. They just told me who they're where they're running in the room, who they're running to. But and so I just kind of for my own could know where they were. I had their their miniatures set up, but then. When we did the battles, we did, I didn't show them the map and say, okay, where do you want to move your character? Well, I just asked them, you know, what do you want to do or where do you want to go? And and they were really good about, you know, everybody was, nobody was trying to, you know, game of, gamify the game where, you know, they were trying to rules lawyer it or anything. I mean, you can't really rules lawyer Swords of Wizardry Light. I mean, it's simple as hell. You know, yeah. there's, there's not there's there's not really any rules lawyering to it. You know, it's, it's a beautiful what, thing. It's great. I, I love Swords of Wizardry Light. I love, love it. We had, we had a great time and and hopefully we got some more people to play because we had a couple people that wanted me to send uh, set, send rule sets that give their kids. So that's pretty good. It's it's because it's for kids Win-win. too. It's good for kids. Yeah. Very nice. All right, man. Well, I think we talked ourselves out after a five week. Uh, dude, I yeah, dude, I, I, I'm exhausted. It's a good exhausted, but I'm exhausted. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, I don't. I know you noticed, but I had to run and do a beer run right in the middle of um of and talking that, about. That's okay, man. I, I'm going to be doing my beer run after this. I mean, uh, I, 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 I can actually have a beer or two now. It's like holy shit. Oh, uh, hey, back getting a little bit back to normal. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't down a six pack, but. Oh no. You got to be careful. Do what the doctors tell you. Yeah, you know, moderation. So, mm. you know, two, mm. three with chips, maybe. Yeah. Sometimes it tastes really good. Well, Mike, uh, yes, and I, and I actually missed hanging out with you. I missed doing this. Yeah, thing. yeah, man. We get. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I miss. I missed last Thursday's chat. I, 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 what was going on last Thursday? I don't know. Monday night football or Saturday night football? I don't know. Yeah, I, I missed. Good, it was a good chat. It was. It was. Uh, Lively and oh, and and Glenn got to show us his scar. He looks like uh, oh, oh, yuck. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like you know Frankenstein. He he's got a part coming for him now, just across his. And, and, and by the way, by the way, um, I've talked to several people who have expressed interest in being guests on the show. So we, we may have to have a guest next week because I've got a few people that are like, hey. 
uh, y'all are back. When you uh, remember, I said I'd be a guest. I'm like, all right, oh, excellent. Yeah. No, no, that's good. All right, well, <clears throat> I'm, I'm willing to go back to weekly. All right, uh, I'm. Hey, I'm there. I'm. I'm here. I'm back. I'm not sick. Cool. Knock on wood. Knock on wood yet. is right. Uh, uh, believe me, I. I I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm ready to get rolling again. If you're ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. We're Do back. It. That means that means Watsy, you need to start doing some stupid stuff so we can talk about it. Come on. Oh, you know they will. Don't let us down. Do not let us down. Paizo has been way too quiet. You, you know they're they. Well, then again, they let everybody go, so there's nobody left. Come Paizo, come out with Pathfinder 3.0. You know you want to. Yeah, you know you know you want to or, or pa- <laughs> Pathfinder 1.5. Take it back. Oh. Oh, oh, see, you want you want to you want to say that uh, dragons aren't evil anymore? I know you want to. Uh, yeah. I just misunderstood. I misunderstood lizards. Yes. Giant lizards that want to just help you. Come on. Let's don't, do it. Let's give us some stuff. There's no such thing as innate evil, mm-hmm. which is what fiction nope. is built upon. No, of course not. Uh, actually, that's a whole other topic, isn't it? Let's mm. not get started on that one this episode. We're, we'll be here oh, forever. Folks, thank Can't you for joining us. Really. Don Shane. Mike, Don Shane. Yeah, good to see you, man. Later. Later, folks.